was uh, sent down from Washington, D.C. to see about these murders. Hmm. You see, see what about him? See who's doing it. Welcome back to Back Porch Movies. Today we'll be reviewing Killers of the Flower Moon by Martin Scorsese. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon came out uh, this past October, and we're recording this on January 13th. It is streaming now on Apple TV for free. Uh, Chris, you were telling us before this started, and we've already had one aborted attempt at this because of some Wi-Fi issues, but can you retell us for the third time what your wife told us about this movie? Yeah, so when it came up on on Apple TV Plus, uh, I was like, "Hey, Ange, you want to, you know, you want to watch this so I can prep for the podcast?" And she was like, "Absolutely not, no, one and done for Ange." And I feel like that's for a lot of people. Like, I don't know if this is gonna be a rewatchable Scorsese film. I feel like he's half and half too. <laughs> I uh, like I said before um we'll definitely do go down youtube rabbit holes for certain scenes in this movie but i can't say that i wouldn't rewatch it one day you know maybe i'm a sick freak i found this incredibly rewatchable i think the length of it would be the biggest barrier it's three and a half hours long but it is like one of the saddest most just brutal films i've not that it's insanely gory but it is a brutal film and i think part of it is it's based off of david grand's uh book of the same name killers of the flower moon it's a western historical gangster epic and the book is the best history book i've ever read and, and, and I've, I've read quite a few. It, Grant is an incredible author. If you like history books, if you're into true crime, would highly recommend this. Um, like it's, it's something to where you can knock it out in like a day, day and a half if you're a fast reader. Like it's not something yeah. that you spend weeks reading. And that is not how I would describe the movie. <laughs> no, no. And, and, and we'll get into this. They left a lot of stuff out. And and this is kind of what I want to talk about as well is in the grand book, it is presented far more as a mystery. It's a whodunit for the first 30, 40% of the book. And then there's a huge reveal about who the villain is. And we will be spoiling this movie. If you haven't seen it, go watch it on Apple. Um, the movie is not like that. From the opening scene, you realize the the main characters of the movie are the villains. So my question for you guys is I a big part of why I love the book so much was that mystery aspect because I was shocked when it's revealed who's been committing these murders. I'm like, oh right. my God. And in the movie they don't have that moment. So it did affect my viewing of it. How did y'all feel about that? So I never read the book, but you told me that after the movie, and I really wish it went down that route in the movie. But I think I saw Scorsese in an interview for GQ or something talk about it, and he said there's really no way to do justice to 
the victims in this story by doing it the way the book did. So I wish for <laughs> us, the fans, it could have been more of a whodunit, but I get as a storytelling perspective and actually, you know, not somewhat erasing the victim's experience of this whole thing. Like, I guess it was necessary. That seems like what he was saying. I think it's what you want out of the movie. It's like, do you want just a four hour, you know, run of the mill thriller whodunit that that's just acted really well, basically, or (laughs) I I would like that. Yeah. But those are a dime a dozen. And this is actually like, because I've seen Leo talk about it too, JP on YouTube, where he's like, because remember, he was originally playing the FBI agent. Yeah, Tom White. Who who he, is in the book, if there is anything approaching a main character, he is the main character of the book. That was one thing that was very, very different is that the book, the main focus is more on the FBI investigation, especially for the latter half of the book. Yeah. But it's it's the reason, or at least the reason he's given is what is the actual core of the movie? And it's how evil and screwed yeah. up their relationship was. Um, mm-hmm. Leo's and uh, Lily Gladstone's. And it's like, without centering on that, I think you just get a really well-filmed, well-acted HBO miniseries instead yeah. of instead of like a uh, I think this will be like a really meaningful piece of art that is studied for like years and years you know so so before we get into because because from what you're saying I do want to talk about performances and and things in the movie like Lily Gladstone but just to set a picture of the basic story is why I found this book so compelling besides it being fantastically written is that I, I taught history for 10 years. I've been a history freak my whole life and I had never heard of this before reading the book. Like, and this is something that in Oklahoma, a lot of people didn't know about and it had been lost to history. And not only is the story and the setting so interesting, this was the first major case for the FBI it pretty much made J. Edgar Hoover, like gave him power in Washington, like the success of this case. And it's really not something ever mentioned. I mean, it is now because they've had the book, they've had movies on it, but it's something I had never really known about. And that the wealthiest people on earth per capita were the Osage Native Americans like a hundred years ago. <laughs> I was like, I I heard that. I'm like, what? Yeah, I had and <laughs> so random their reservation land, which was like the third or fourth because they kept getting kicked off their land. Yeah. It's like the third or fourth reservation they own. There's all this black stuff popping up and they're like, what is this? And it's like, well, it's oil. And so they have these systems called head rights where members of the tribe were given percentage of oil sales from oil companies and they became obscenely wealthy. But you couldn't sell the head rights. The only way to get the head rights was to inherit them. And there's no clause about people being murdered or people dying. And, and that, that was probably this. a protect 
I was thinking about it a little bit about the legal, and maybe you know more from the book about like the legal background of that. You would, it's logical to think why they did it that way, where you couldn't sell it because you want the point of it. And correct me if I'm wrong, is to have these native tribes gain wealth and basically assimilate into American culture through gaining wealth. But um, that. I don't know if that's the intention of that. Um, that might be something. I don't know if that's the intention that people were making of the system a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. because assimilation was it was forced. Like I mean, they were like Molly Burkhart, who is um, is it Molly Burkhart or Molly Kyle? Burkhart. Okay. Um, she basically was forced onto one of those. Uh, like she was forced to go to like, I think a Catholic school growing up. She wasn't allowed to say her language. Like they did that with all of the Osage um, kids. Like they were, they were all, it was a forced thing, like to try to destroy their culture. What I find interesting about what Chris was saying is those head rights, not being able to be sold, turned the um, white Oklahomans in the area into like the most manipulative lover boys ever, which is basically Leo's character trying every white guy would try to marry an Osage girl to inherit this money, become super wealthy. And these Oklahoman white people think of these Osage as like complete savages that don't have any human rights at all. And what's funny is, Throughout the movie, you see how it's completely the opposite. These just how dumb they are. They're the dumbest, most savage people I've ever seen in a movie. Like how they prey on the tribe. It's it's. I I just found that interesting. How they think of these Indians as like complete savages and blah blah blah. And it's like Leo's character is the dumbest. Such an idiot biggest piece of shit i've ever seen yes. in a movie you're reminding a me of this of shit you're reminding me of the scene when he botches uh he botches one of the killings and you know robert de niro comes and picks him up and they're just yelling at each other and leo can't even explain what how he botched it and he's just like <laughs> i told him the back of the head not the front <laughs> like <laughs> Just like you told me. And Robert De Niro is just like, it looks like murder. (laughs) They're just such idiots and just blood suck. They're just blood suckers. It's so, but. It's it's not a comedy, but there's some (laughs) really darkly funny moments like what you're talking about. It's it's Scorsese humor. I mean, it's same stuff as a Goodfellas and all his movies. It's like, wow, I'm like laughing at how evil and sick this is. Because it's the only really thing you can only way you can watch it without just i would have walked yeah your skin is crawling like king hale is such an evil bastard in this movie but he has some of the funniest like him and leo (laughs) de niro plays king hale uh leo's uncle burkhardt's uncle who is the mastermind of many of these murders of taking everything. place? Everything. He's he's behind he's, all. He's of a it. machine political boss, businessman who's like well respected in the community and, and is actually friends of the leaders of the Osage. He in like the 
men marrying the women, his relationships that he's forced onto these people that they think is genuine is just complete like manipulation and yeah. just a they, complete they, lack of morals. Like they it's think he's pure evil sort of matchmaker, you know, and it's, yeah, really, yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's no, really it's like, he's trying to get his nephews <laughs> and stuff to, to inherit head rights. <laughs> it's, it's, he's, so a, he's a demon. He really is. But at the same time in the movie, you know, to add some like levity, I guess, you know, he does at times have funny lines just at, and you can't help but laugh at the complete absurdity that this actually happened. Like when he's taking um, some Osage guys to the doctor that he considers them his nephews and I take care of you. If you take care of me and he's taking them to the doctor, like a damn zoo animal and they're getting ex- inspected. It's like, this is the most, ridiculous insane thing i've ever seen and and you know why he's doing that is because he took out a health insurance policy on his best friend (laughs) it's pure evil and and the health insurance policy doesn't kick in until january 1st the following year he has to make sure the guy who is suicidal survives until january 1st and then he's gonna have him killed like the absurdity (laughs) and it's so evil it's funny yeah, yeah, like you can't help but be like, my God. <laughs> but it, crazy. but it makes the like as a viewer, I like knowing that watching the whole thing because all of that stuff, I, I think having some big reveal moment, a lot of the impact would be lost. You have a shock yeah. value, but w- knowing that this what this guy's plan is and watching him do it makes it so much more tragic when the Osage, you know, just walks in and he's like, okay, King, like whatever, like, oh yeah, like you'll help me, you know, give him, give him a loan. And then he's going to like take him to the doctor or whatever. He thinks all is well. And you're just like sitting there being like, Like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a cheap horror movie where you're like, don't open the door. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, they're going to. Yeah. So, so the, the movie is essentially introducing you to the Osage and it centers on this one family, the Kyle family that is a mother and I believe four sisters who start dying one by one. And, and there's, there's like cousins of this family also dying as well. And this is something that I, I was at the book reading at like 2 AM. I had to teach the next morning and I couldn't put it down. The scene towards the beginning of the film where they have a tribal council, which was one of the best like five minutes of the movie, in my opinion. And they're like, we're going to send this guy to DC to talk with the Senator. And the guy goes to DC, leaves his hotel and gets brutally murdered, stabbed like 80 times in an alleyway. And I, I like, I like dropped the book. I was like, (gasps) like, yeah. And then they hire a a private investigator that, well, he gets beaten to death. Like in town, and by by Leo, yeah, and and it's just there's no mechanism to protect these people because the ones that should be protecting them are in on it, and that's what ties into this is how the FBI was just like a fledgling organization. It wasn't even called the FBI; it was just called the Bureau of Investigation back then. And they basically get assigned to it. And it's basically like a bunch of like Texas Rangers and like random dudes that had been in the military that go there undercover for like a year 
and, and try to solve what's going on. And, and this is the thing too. People knew what was going on. Best part of the movie game. My favorite scene right there is when Leo. So when Ernest turns state's evidence and then they try to, they call him in, they call him in, try to push him a little bit. His own lawyer brings him into the Masonic temple. The door swings open. Great shot. The entire town's mm. in the temple. And it's like every know. every character you've seen throughout the movie, throughout the town, knows what's going on and, yes. and is yes. in on it. Yes. And you're and like, that is a, oh my God, it's everyone. It's the, it's the yes. entire town. And that's a huge part. I, I want to talk about that later when we talk about the ending of the movie, because that is something that is just, it's so sick. We're just using sick evil <laughs> twisted it's like that's what this was it's so crazy that it happened this wasn't that long ago this is a hundred years ago like this is the 1920s like they were having the world series like this is not <laughs> that long ago dude um but let's talk about some of the performances because we have um star-studded cast and Great yet cast. the one that jumps out is lily gladstone who yeah. She's been in several movies. This is the first thing I've seen her in. Um, I know she was in First Cow, supposedly really good in that. I never saw it. But she has such an incredible screen presence to be able to be in a scene. And part of this is due to like how Scorsese's filming. But to be in a scene with De Niro, to share the screen with DiCaprio half the movie and outshine them when they are delivering A-plus performances, it's amazing. She is magnetic yeah. in this movie. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If she can be in every scene with De Niro and Leo and later on Jesse Plemons and all these great actors, it's like she shines through just... I, I don't know if it's more so the plot or at her actual talents, or, but I don't know. She's just stole this every scene, it seemed like. This is a movie where... like. John Lithgow plays like the fifth supporting character and Lily Gladstone, who really, which just tells you how stacked the cast is. And then Lily Gladstone being like, like Gabe said, like, I think she's been in stuff. She's not like super well known, but there's a reason she's going to win every award this, this year. There's a reason like she won the Golden Globe. She's definitely going to win the Oscar and it's because She's, she steals every scene from Leo who is giving a legendary Leo performance. And I'm going to be honest with you, the two of them have chemistry. They love each though, other. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a sick fuck helping to murder her family and all her friends and yet it's kind of like you can see the sexual tension in the air between them. <laughs> And yeah. that's that's what the movie's about. It's really about them two loving each other while he's mur while he's murdering her. And the entire time, I know we're supposed to be talking about the performances, but like the entire time, I'm like, does she, she knows? I think she knows. She kind of knows well. she's being murdered, but she just loves him. Yeah, I think towards the latter half of the movie, you know, she she knows and just wants to she just wants to deny it she's in denial about it because she actually right up to the very loves end. him yeah she actually they have loves kids him. together yeah <laughs> that is one of the sickest parts is that um when 
the bombing happens and his sister-in-law and brother-in-law are killed in the bombing, right? In real life, his child was actually supposed to be spending the night there that night. So that is something that I think the movie doesn't necessarily properly do is that he was more evil in real life. And I think that they might've built up their relationship a little bit more with him acting like, I didn't know I was poisoning her. Like, it's like he, he was more aware of what he was doing than just being stupid. He did. Know, yeah. I, but that's the thing in the movie. He does know he, yeah, he's they, just playing dumb. He, he does. Knows, know. I think in, I think she, you know, towards the end knows, and they're both just in denial about it because you, like Chris said, you can tell there's like so much tension every time they're together. He's literally injecting her with poison, killing her. And they're like, God, <laughs> I love you. And I want to bang you. God. Oh my, you know, like, <laughs> it's so, nice. what, what so it, fucked up. What it reminds me of is that story um, that we heard recently about our friend's roommate who kept convincing himself his phone was being hacked, but he was the one <laughs> faking that it was being like, it's like someone convincing themselves that yeah. it's happening, but it's like, but you're doing it. Yeah. yeah and like you're you know, the one causing the problem. It's, it's when he tastes it, you know, when he's like, he pours something in his drink. Cause he just knows he's just such a piece of shit. And he's just like, I deserve to be poisoned too. And I, yeah. I was just like, oh my God, dude, this is getting disturbed. Eventually, I was literally elbowing Angelica, being like, can we just wrap this thing up? I'm really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's really hard to watch because you're watching all of these guys crowd around this woman and say, this is the best medicine. And you know it's poison. They all know it's poison. <laughs> she probably knows it's poison. And yet you've got to watch her take it over and over again it's really tough to watch and what's even crazier is this towards towards the end when she goes she's forced to go to the hospital like the fbi takes her or whatever she gets well like so quickly it's literally a simple fix of just like a normal dose of diabetes in her yeah. insulin for diabetes and she's good to go and she's back to full health like relatively quickly so yeah that really shows like what what leo was doing was just so what, what does up. she ask what what was in the needle what was in the needle ernest like and she just keeps asking that behind the court or is that in the jailhouse i can't remember or yeah in like, the jail yeah and he just won't say it because he like, knows because uh, I, I, I know I, I, it was medicine <laughs> it was medicine <laughs> they told me it was medicine it's like no you're killing her yeah. <laughs> the dynamic between him and De Niro is so great in this movie. And De Niro at the age of like 80 is playing. He's so that's the thing, too. I was concerned about this. I mentioned this you know, a couple years ago when they announced the cast list. De Niro and DiCaprio are so incredibly miscast in this movie. And yet they were fantastic. Like De, 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 Niro De Niro is playing a guy that's performance in years. Since and he's supposed to be playing. He's supposed to be playing a forty-five-year-old, and oh, DiCaprio is wow. supposed to be playing a twenty-five-year-old. Oh, and <laughs> that, and so to me watching it, I had always wanted DiCaprio to play King Hale in the movie, and yet I'm watching De Niro and them portraying him as an older guy is actually it's pretty well done. Yeah, he's playing an eight like age appropriate, 
and not much like physical physical violence that he does himself so it's like oh so it's just purely robert de niro acting evil and you're like okay this actually works and he blows everyone off the screen except lily gladstone but the blows leo off the screen every time he's in a scene with him the casual duplicity of that character of being able to sit and pray with um one of the one of the Kyle sisters sit and pray with her while knowing he is helping her be poisoned is like it's it's you're watching a demon chant yeah like chant prayers it's horrifying dude like her sister gets murdered they go see the body all the people are crying her whole family's crying you know and King Hale is right there knowing that he put the hit out on her sister and he's like oh my god i'm i'm so sorry we're gonna get through this we're gonna get through this you know i'll take care of you it's like doesn't he go five thousand dollars for whoever catches this guy (laughs) yeah yeah and they're they're, the whole tribe's like that is so honorable king hale's like the man and he's literally a wolf in sheep's clothing it's it's insane which is why the twist in the book was so effective because you're like, not this guy. What? <laughs> He's their friend. <laughs> but, and, and, and it's, I mean, it's not really subtle, but when she gives him that, when she gives Leo that book that said, can you see the wolves in this picture? And it's like, the wolves are not the wolves. It's like the white guys <laughs> that are like coming to hunt. Yeah. It's, it's like a real, it's, and it, and it comes up a couple of times. It's like, it is not subtle at all, but I really like that symbolism. Mm-hmm. I forget, was it one of the wedding scenes? I think there was like two or three in this movie, but one of the wedding scenes, King Hale is just like so happy at the wedding. And it's one of the only times you see him like super stoked. Because, yeah, even at the funerals, he's like, he sheds tears for these people. And He's a sociopath. Yeah, while being the ones to kill them. But nothing makes him happier than seeing one of his family members marry someone that he knows he's going to kill eventually. And he's so happy because he knows he just gained access to those head rights. All that money. A big part of this, too, is that, I mean, it's... Well, number one, like, the coroners are in on it. But it's, like, it's a lot harder to prove foul play back then it's 100 years ago before dna and so many people would die of like wasting illnesses or sicknesses it's like it's pretty it's pretty easy to just say they they just you know she's 50 she wasted away it's like no she (laughs) she was poisoned that's what happened to molly's mother who dies in maybe the most beautiful scene in film history when her ancestors come to get get her back she is a confirmed poisoning. We know that she was murdered by, by Leo and De Niro. And, but, but they're just like, she wasted away. She she just wasted away. (laughs) She just went, she just went to her ancestors, which is like, it is such a beautiful scene, but here's how dumb I am. I didn't even realize that she was poisoned (laughs) because there's so many of them in the movie. You're like, (laughs) you're like, they didn't, they didn't poison that one. And you're like, fuck, I guess they did. They and, killed. And go ahead, Gabe. There's Chris. That's the thing, though, is that when you realize what's going on, everyone who dies was poisoned yeah. or shot 
or blown up. Like it's it's like you basically can just start saying it was literally all a conspiracy because it was. And we'll get to that in a little while. But JP, what were you saying? I was just going to say like like when we get into the conspiracy aspect, like we Ernest really did kill his wife's entire family. He killed her entire family. And it's not so much like the book, some big reveal, but towards the end when it does show like Leo Ernest and his brother were the actual ones like doing the hit jobs for King Hale. You're like, Oh my God, this goes so much. Like there's so much more involved in a deeper way than I thought. Like they literally killed their wives, entire families. It's, uh, it's too much almost at one point. Um, Y'all want to talk about Plemons real quick? Yeah. Like the last hour, hour and a half of the film, um, is is kind of the FBI investigation into it, which I do. There, there. It's a three and a half hour movie. I don't want to sit here and say I wish it was four hours, but they definitely left a lot of the interesting stuff about the investigation out, which I felt they it. And this is just an incredible story, and and people should read the book to. It's it's just fascinating how it came about, but they shortchange it a little bit. I thought. Yeah, I think once um, the Bureau shows up, maybe not the first time uh, Plemons meets Ernest, but the second, I think he had him pegged from from the beginning. He knew immediately what was going on. It's not hard to figure out. Everyone was in on it and everyone knew. And he goes from person to person. Each person keeps saying... I don't know. You should talk to that guy. I don't know. You should talk to that guy. And he realizes it's a circle. They're all doing it. Everyone knows about it. I, I did. Yeah. I, I gotta, I, I disagree slightly with y'all. Cause I think when Plemons comes in the first time, JP, like when he first knocks on Ernest's door, that's like a year into the investigation. Right. Like that's after they've been undercover. They were uncovered, undercover in months. multiple towns for a long time. And it's yeah. time. Yeah. And it's time to knock on the prime suspect's door, which is the last thing law enforcement's going to do and question him. And so it's like, I kind of liked that because it was more the stories being told from Ernest's perspective. So it's like he has no idea. And then all of a sudden the FBI starts knocking on his door. And then you sort of see that they've yeah. been there all along. Um, but, and it makes, I really like Jesse Plemons's performance in it, even though I think he was slightly underused. Um, but it makes it cooler. Cause he's just like, he's a, wa- he's an FBI guy. He's a watcher. He was there for a year and then all, and he knows what happened and he's just waiting for these people to either admit it or, or, or so be able to get it. a witness to flip on Hale eventually whoever's heading it up. I do love yeah. that Scorsese loves Jesse Plemons. <laughs> like the kid from Breaking Bad has turned into such like a great talent. It's crazy. Um, was there anything you wanted to talk about before we talk about the ending? Oh, uh, I wanted go ahead, Chris. Just, I just got one thing. I mean, just, like so 
I know we've talked about the searchers before on here. This is like in Martin Scorsese being obsessed with the searchers. I think him filming like a Western, a true Western like this is maybe mm. the prettiest thing I've ever seen. There's some of the, some of the shots in this movie. I'm, I'm just like, damn, I wish this guy just yeah, made like a I do too. <laughs> just <laughs> like the opening few minutes of, of the Osage discovering the oil. I'm like, this is, I could watch an hour of, of just this, like with no dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. From that to like, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Molly's mom meeting her ancestors, the yes. wedding scenes, just there's so many parts of this movie that don't necessarily have to do much with the story, but it's like just master class. You're like, I don't even need anything else. They have, they have like three or four, just meet two parties meeting in a field in an open field. And I was every time I saw it, I was like, you're like, God, I got to travel to Oklahoma. It's it's like, why? (laughs) I wanted to say before we talk about the ending. um, So this movie being three and a half hours, that throws a lot of people off. And it is a tough watch for the subject matter. But I think right when we walked out of the theater, we kind of talked about this, Gabe. Um, You are so like just this movie completely takes you in like you're so enraptured by the whole thing like you it's three and a half hours but i didn't feel like it was three and a half hours like you are so focused and you're so into the story like what the fuck is going on here this is insane that it being a giant epic super long movie didn't really feel like it and i feel like it really is a must watch for people and a testament to that statement is Lena falls asleep <laughs> in every single movie in a three and a half hour movie is just a death sentence was awake the whole time and was like tapping me like you know like Chris was elbowing Ange like she was like oh my god what's going on uh, <laughs> Lena not walking out after the first it, five minutes engrossing. where the mom gets shot while like strolling her baby, miraculous. <laughs> yeah. It it is engrossing, like how the Irishman was not. Does that it, like the Irishman was very long and is an epic story, but just was not engrossing. This movie. Three and a half hours kept my attention the whole time. I was on the edge of my seat mm-hmm. the entire time, too, which is <laughs> crazy. Yeah, exactly. Edge of your seat. So the end of the film, um, I've never seen anything like it before. It's a they like the last 90 seconds. They instead of doing where you would see like before the credits, you would see text on the screen explaining what happens they do it as a radio play performance and almost showing how history a few decades later really won't care about these people or what happened. And then it ends with Scorsese himself giving the monologue to end the movie about Molly Burkhart, like reading the obituary, which I was just like, I was so blown away by it happening at the moment. 
I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I think you you interpreted it 100% correct, Gabe. It makes it makes total light of the entire story. And cuz imagine it's like the 50s so, cuz that's happening in the 50s and they're just telling this story as some sort of entertaining thing before you know the radio broadcast of next the, the story of the osage murders brought to you by you lucky know. strike cigarettes yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly it's you know the lone ranger serial is is coming on and and this is just a preview and uh i loved that scores one i like when scorsese pops in his own movies like like hitchcock and then two the fact that he reads her obituary and there's no mention of basically any of her actual life is it just is such a gut punch after three and a half hours of getting your head kicked in by this like movie it's just such a gut punch and you're like oh god and, and yeah yeah it gets even worse <laughs> like, and you realize that no one was truly punished for this yeah no like hail went to prison and left and went to a nursing home no one gave king, a shit king ha- King Hale was apparently when you go on his Wikipedia, he was apparently like an old man in a nursing home going, I would have gotten filthy rich if Ernest would have known how to kill people. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, 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 and I've never seen, yeah. like Gabe said, I've never seen the end of a movie like this, a historical movie. Like, you know, Gabe said, usually it's the text on screen but i've never seen an ending like this and like you said it was just a total gut punch because it was just a true crime pod in the 40s or 50s and it was just a little bit of entertainment and glosses over all of it and i think scorsese coming out himself to give that ending monologue about her obituary obituary and how bland it was and how no one really gave a shit was really him saying like how much this story means to me and how much it should mean to you as a viewing audience, like how people could could get away with things like that. And we don't even know about it necessarily. I think it also emphasized the deep respect he has for her, not as a character, but as a person. And that is something that often gets lost in, in true crime. It's something that gets lost in history is, you know, people just become statistics and I think a big part of it was reminding us that she wasn't just a person who had her family murdered. Like she was a person who mattered and a person who uh, didn't, didn't receive true justice in her lifetime. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what I think he was going for. And like Chris said, just total gut punch after an entire gut wrenching three and a half hours. But and it stays personal though, because like the FBI stuff, the fact that the president was which in this I don't movie, know if that was real all life. Of that is I'm not so sure if that was in, in real the, life. It might have been, but I don't know if it was. But just the fact that all of that's happening yeah. in the background, like, and it just focuses on this this woman who had horrific yeah. shit done to her, like for her at the beginning. Life of this episode when I was mentioning um, how they could have gone the route of the book and made it more of a 
thrill or whatever. And I heard after the movie critics saying it somehow diminished the experience of the Osage and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I didn't think I didn't think it diminished at all. It did the exact opposite. Scorsese himself said, like, those people are crazy. I literally made the movie this way to do it correctly and to honor these people's story that I deeply care about. I just think that critique was fucking nuts. It's like <laughs> he did the exact opposite. Total personal story. So so that personal touch is what the ending of the book is. So there's like a couple chapters at the end of the book and, and Grand does this at the end of his book sometimes is um, he inserts himself into the end and talks about his research. So like for The Wager, which is his book that came out last year, that's going to be Scorsese's next movie. He talks about his actual travels to the island that a lot of The Wager takes place on in the time he spent there. Killers of the Flower Moon, a lot of the inspiration for, for his book comes from when he's at a museum for the Osage in, I think, Oklahoma. And there's like a picture that's been like cut off. And he's talking to like one of the people there and they're like, we, we couldn't bear to look at like the face of evil. And he's like, what the, what are you talking about? And I think that picture was like, they took King Hale out of it. And this is something that happened a hundred years ago, but you've got people who grew up with like their grandparents being murdered. Their aunts and uncles were murdered and they're still alive today. And grand talks about how he went there and he's visiting and talking to these people and the Osage murder case, the reign of terror, they cause it focuses mostly on this one family. Um, and then overall it's thought that it's, it's, it's been proven that 60 Osage were killed over like a 10 to 15 year period to get the head rights. What grand discovers is in his research for the book, he's looking through primary sources. It literally hadn't really been done before. He's looking through primary sources, um, comparing all these charts, ledgers, everything, and what he was able to determine is that it's kind of that scene in the, when, when uh, the town is all talking with Leo, trying to convince him not to, everyone was in on it. So 60 murders were proven. It was hundreds. And it wasn't just her family. And it wasn't just King Hale and Leo. There were other um, organizations in the same county doing the same thing they were as well. And it's such a powerful thing that Grand was able to prove this and give at least some closure to these people who, oh, my great aunt died of wasting illness at 34. My, my grandpa had a stomach ache and died at 36. It's like he was, and it's like, oh, and then their head right went to this white guy named Bill. Yeah, like, no, come to find <laughs> out they were killed too. You know, like, that's crazy. Yeah. That is something that is really tough to take the author's personal experience, which was very powerful to read. I don't know how you can put that into a movie. So I think Scorsese's decision to end it the way he did with the focus on Molly was really beautiful and as good an ending as they could have had. Yeah, I agree. Would you all suggest this movie as a must watch in Scorsese's filmography? Yes. I would say now, so as well. I, I would be interested to know for me, I'd have to, I'd have to rank them. I don't know that it cracks the top five. I also don't know that it doesn't. It's probably in the top 10. What would y'all say? 
it's it's in my top 10 i don't think it's cracking the top five but that's more of a testament to scorsese himself if this is any other director this is probably their best movie they've ever made (laughs) great point (laughs) by far i i've i feel like i've said this about a lot of movies recently but i think i need like a couple of years similar to how we talk about about dune and then because i think yeah in like 10 years i think I may go, wow, Killers of the Flower Moon might be one yeah. of the best movies ever. Um, right now, it's just like, I don't know, because you're like, ah, it's Goodfellas and Raging Bull and Taxi Driver and all this stuff. And yeah. it's just too new, you know? But is it a must? Is Absolutely. it a must watch? Of course. Like, it's so. It's Scorsese directing some of the best performances I've seen in a long time that. It actually keeps your attention and entertains you the entire So awards-wise, we're about two months out from the Oscars. And it's unfortunate because this movie came out the same year Oppenheimer came out. Another huge budget, long historical epic by a legendary filmmaker. That is the one that is going to win most of the awards. I think Kills of Flower Moon is going to be nominated a lot. And it's going to go up against Oppenheimer in every below-the-line category. Um, Scorsese's going to get nominated for director. He's not going to win. He'll get nominated for Best Picture. He's not going to win. Lily Gladstone is the front-runner right now for Best Actress. Uh, she has a good chance. She should win, and it should... I, I don't know what else would win, like Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, may, yeah, maybe Adapted Screenplay. The screenplay was written by Eric Roth, who's been nominated six times, never won. And he's the dude that wrote... He wrote Forrest Gump, which is one of the worst books I've ever read and one of the best screenplays. So I want this to be a makeup Oscar for 94, him not winning Forrest Gump. That's crazy. <laughs> I, You want my take? I think this loses adapted Very screenplay possible. to Barbie. Very possible. Because I don't. I don't think Barbie's I don't think Barbie's gonna win anything at the Oscars, so they're gonna toss it a bone and they know Scorsese, Leo, they don't have to give them anything. Lily Gladstone's gonna win, so it's gonna get its moment. I think it has a chance against Barbie for costume. And uh, I think Oppenheimer's I, gonna sweep it. I do think you're right. Technical awards it's a damn to, I, I will yeah. riot if I'm just kin doesn't win best song. I think it's going to be <laughs> Dance the Night Away. It'll, it'll probably get nominated multiple. It, it might be the Dua Lipa one. I'm just Ken's better. Just saying. <laughs> it's too bad that they didn't have a musical performance in Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what's weird, though? Same, same feeling I have in my stomach after watching this movie that Oppenheimer left me with, too. I just felt like a sense of dread and like the world sucked, (laughs) (laughs) which is why, which is why you then go watch Barbie. (laughs) Um, So when this movie came out in October, it was the same time that the number one movie in America was the Taylor Swift movie, the Eras tour movie. And so a lot of people reported that they're trying to watch goes a far moon and you're watching um, Molly's mother die and her ancestors be there and you just hear like you belong with me like through the studio walls and like a hundred like teenagers screaming the lyrics so a lot of people's like perf- uh, their their viewing of this got ruined by that yeah I actually know someone personally what? who that exact thing <laughs> happened to 
and <laughs> she was raging apparently <laughs> that's hilarious what um what do y'all think about this Lost movie Lost Money. so it made like 150 something at yeah. the box office which for a three and a half hour scorsese epic is good but it would have had to make like 500 million just to break even, which was never going to happen. Yeah, I don't think Apple cares and at I, all. I think that, and also mm-hmm. Scorsese doesn't no. have the pool that Nolan has with younger generation. He just doesn't. And I don't think Scorsese cares either because it's like he's so I, he hasn't cared about that for years, but. I think I mean you have Apple for Apple. It's like okay, we have a streaming Scorsese yeah. movie that that will be in our IP forever, and then awards recognition and all that stuff. It's totally worth it for them. It's just a big giant advertisement for Apple yeah. Plus, which is sad. <laughs> um, any final thoughts? Um, I, um, what is your like? when you're watching the, like what's your one line thing about this movie when you're telling is it the direction the performances it's the story, it's like, the what story. Is, it's, for me it's the story as well see it for the story um it's something people have never heard about and it's a really interesting super sad gut-wrenching like artifact from american history that's not talked about enough so that's my one-liner for Someone to go see it. It's I, significance, I think, basically. I could I could choose any of it, but I would agree that JP summed it up how how I would sum it up. Yeah, it's it's yeah, worth it's worth your, your time. time, definitely. So make sure to check out Killers of the Flower Moon on Apple if you don't have Apple. Definitely worth getting. Has some great TV, and I guess they're going to start having more movies. Um, we got some more episodes coming out for y'all soon. Thank you very much for listening.